You may not feel it. You may feel like I'm okay. I'm all right right now. I don't need other people in my life. But the truth is you absolutely have to have other people in your life if you're going to be all that God wants you to be. That's not hyperbole. We, we know this. So there are mechanisms at play here. So for instance, people who um, have good relationships tend to handle stress more effectively. They recover from setbacks. They sleep better, right? Wounds heal. I mean, wound healing is one thing that we do look at in terms of uh, is someone stressed or not. They have lower blood pressure, less likely to experience depression or have a relapse, and they're less anxious. See, it's not a nice to have. It's a need to have. Hey, this is Matt Hook, the shepherd of The Shepherd and the Shrink. And I wanted to thank you for listening. And I would love if you want to continue to be able to hear good content like this to go on patreon.com, The Shepherd and the Shrink. And that's us. We would love your support, whether it's $5 a month or $20 a month. It's really valuable and can help us out. Thanks. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Happy New Year, Marty. Happy New Year, Matt. It is the beginning of 2022. How does that make you feel? Goodbye, 2021. (laughs) It's been a rough year for all of us. It's been an insane year for so many reasons. But I'm grateful, though, for 2021. I am. A lot of of good things happen, and it is a chance to walk the faith walk, carry our crosses, right? Yes. So many lessons that I've actually been choosing to learn instead of ignore. So yeah, you have a lesson for us today. I do because it's 2022 and that's a lot of twos. And I wanted to introduce to everybody what our new upcoming series and topic is going to be. Okay. And it has to do with the number two in a way, because Two are better than one. That's actually in the Bible when it comes to relationships. And I want to talk about 2022 being the year of healthy relationships and the year of more loving relationships. As I look at my life, as I hear from other people, I think that could be a huge win for us. Yeah. And we're not just going to talk about romantic relationships, although that's the one that we deal with the most. Probably. Hey, for lucky, right? right? <laughs> yeah. So do you know that this isn't like a nice to have either? So there was a study that I've been looking for. I heard about it, but then there are other ones too that show this. They were looking for longevity, right? Lifespan. And um, there was one culture that, um, you know, they ate fatty foods, they drank wine, they rolled their own cigarettes, and they just outlived people by significant number, uh, you know, number of years. And what it was, was their relationships. So uh, there was a meta, you know, what a meta analysis is that's when you take a bunch of studies and look at them statistically and see what they all tell you, you know, so there was a, a meta analysis I found. And um, over the course of, uh, uh, of the lifespan, uh, the people who had good relationships and reported good relationships, they lived an average of seven years longer than people who didn't have them. That's that's significant. Seven years is a long time. And that's had about, a lot of push-ups and sit-ups. 
Yeah, but push-ups and sit-ups don't, you know, will have their effects diminished if you don't have the good relationship. So if you're going to do push-ups and sit-ups, have a bunch of people around. I want to ask you, what percentage of people who come to see you who are in that level of pain, whether it's internal struggles or whatever's going on in their lives that have caused the suffering enough to say, I need a psychologist, I need somebody who's trained and studied and expert in this, how many of those people have troubled relationships? Um, all. For me, because I treat depression, anxiety, and trauma, I can't think of an example where I'm not treating someone who is um, suffering as a consequence of what somebody did or didn't do to them. The things that shouldn't have happened to them that did the cause of suffering or things that needed to happen and did not. I think it's like 100%. That's amazing. That's That catches me off guard because you think of psychological challenges that we face and you think that's all in my own mm-hmm. brain and in my own physiology. And you're saying it's way more than that. Yeah, we are moving towards a different view of human beings where the body and the mind isn't separate and where we know that the environment helps us to wire in just connections in our brain. So mm-hmm. we are connected, like it or not. Like, look, I'll pick up just what you're doing. Like, I'll sit in a therapy session. Suddenly I notice my arms are crossed, her arms are crossed. Who did it first? Nobody knows. Mm. But that's how much we play off of people and and pick up their emotions, too. So, you know, you meet somebody and they're just gleeful. You start to feel that a little bit. You meet Eeyore and then you start to feel, oh, God, I feel sick, you know, down and whatever. So, you know, that's a great responsibility that we have toward other people, too. That's amazing. Well, I want to I want to start my end of things with a quiz. Okay. Okay. here's the quiz. What do all these movies have in common? I've got about 15 to list. The Mummy. The Return of the Mummy. These are old. The Blair Witch Project. And Then There Were None. Skeleton Key. Friday the 13th. Scary Movie 1 or 2 or 3. Ten Little Indians. That should be a giveaway. The Shining. Silence of the Lambs. What's going on in here? The Hills Have Eyes. Scream 1 or 2 or 3 or etc. Bruce Lee Movies. Alien, Predator, Battle Royale, and The Haunting. What category fits best? I'm just thinking the obvious thing is supernatural, right? Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with the supernatural. Yeah, that's that's a good guess, but here's the answer. Okay. All of these are movies in which people go off by themselves and get killed. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? That That's great because we do fear that. We fear being banished from the tribe and being judged. Right. You know, right. You know, left out. If I'm find myself in a horror movie, there are certain rules that you have to abide by in order to survive a horror movie. We'll skip the first two. But the third rule is this. Never, ever, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Yeah. Don't go in there or don't go out there alone yeah and definitely don't have sex out of wedlock that'll get you killed too in a lot of those movies i it's so funny when you look at half the movies we watch that fit that category don't go off by themselves like literally every single one and and in the movie people keep doing it until there's one person left but i can't help but think of the theological implications of this and as i think about 2022 you know with 
cell phones, with online everything, it feels like we're more connected than ever before, but I think we're more fractured than ever before. And there's a theological implication of don't go off by themselves and get killed. And it starts from the beginning. It is the very root of our humanity, at least according to a Christian Jewish worldview. And it's this, Adam and Eve break covenant with God. That started everything. They went off by themselves. For the very first time, you know, in in Genesis chapter 3, eating the forbidden fruit. And here's something. Notice that the serpent, who is the satanic figure in this, the serpent gets them to do it one at a time. And what happens when they do? They hide. They are alone. They are away from God and they're away from each other. And not only are they away from each other, the first thing they do when they have a conversation about this with God is they start accusing each other. So much of our society, I think, is still there hiding in the bushes and blaming one another, saying, I'll be right back. Also blaming God, too, because it's the woman you gave me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when we talk about relationships in 2022, we're going to talk practical stuff. But we're also, in even more practically, going to talk about our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with God. We'll have sessions devoted to this. I'm really excited for this new year. But when it talks about 2022, I want us to, if we're in a horror movie, which some of us might feel like in our lives at the moment, I want to turn the lights on. I want to take back this night that so many people find themselves living in. I want to take back our lives. We're going to take back our lives. We're going to take back our souls, our purpose for living, and our community. Beginning today, this year, 2022, two are better than one. Here's where that's found in Ecclesiastes chapter four. Ecclesiastes, it's amazing. It's even in the Bible, that book as it was Mm -hmm. written. It is so different. It says stuff you can't believe. Man, I'm so glad that you said that because just this week I was thinking about, I need to go back to that because we're in a meaning crisis right now. Mm. And Ecclesiastes really addresses that. This isn't new. It is about the crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to these verses. And interestingly, my wife Lee had these, the verse put on the inside of my wedding band, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. Pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then it says this, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Interesting to me given the amount of isolation and relationship problems that we have, that's when we get picked off. Mm-hmm. That's when we get killed by the ax murderer. That's when you cool off. That's when you drop out. No matter what kind of a person you are, this is for extroverts, but this is for introverts. This is for if you like sitting in the back row, if you like sitting in the front row, if you're new to the area, if you're a longtime person in a community, we are in this together. And that's what I love about getting a chance to do this together with you is we are figuring this out together. I'd love for this almost to be the beginning of a revolution for some people. Yeah. A different way of living. Yeah. And it's the exact opposite of what you've been taught most of your life. 
uh, that's the Christian path. A couple of things I want to do in this episode is I do, I, I want to cover all that that you have. Um, I also want to give some, some tips, of course, but I also want to, a lot of the, this is, is about living differently, right? Some people get dealt a bad hand. A lot of people get dealt a bad hand. Um, but our best shot, I think, in having good relationships is to do what we're told to do by Christ in the scriptures. And then, um, and that is very counter culture. But it's not counter psychology. No, it's very good for your health. It's excellent for your health, you know, and your relate the health of your relationships, but it's very different. And a lot of people don't, frankly, they just don't read the scriptures. So how are you going to know? You're not going to pick it up in, in this culture. Right. Right. As Americans, we idolize independence. We're based on a document called the Declaration of Independence. independence. And we've bought into this myth that says that the key to happiness is independence. If I have relational independence, financial independence, and in every other area of my life, if I don't let anybody get too close to me and I'm totally self-sufficient, then I'll be happy. But God says the key to happiness is not independence, but interdependence. Yeah. So I think that um, my identity I can't know it fully. My identity is 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 co-created with other people, mm-hmm. right? And also I need that feedback from other people, how they respond to me, do they respond to me even, right? I can't just sit in the room and nasal gaze and navel gaze <laughs> and and think that I'm going to learn a whole lot about myself. We're not transparent to ourselves. We kind of elevate that as like this ultimate cool reality thing. Yeah, there were the westerns, you know, where the guy comes and saves the town, then he goes off all by himself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. And the idea of if I, I could just get deep enough into myself. Oh yeah. Self actualization, self. Yeah, you know, um, I'll be a hermit or um, you know, meditate. I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna, you know, sorry to break the news to you folks. I mean, it's not bad to meditate or anything, but you know, you're not that powerful. You're not gonna, you know, you just not. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, this it says, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. It literally says that. Yeah. We need each other. God says community is not optional, which is what you said at the beginning. You may not feel it. You may feel like I'm okay. I'm all right right now. I don't need other people in my life. But the truth is you absolutely have to have other people in your life if you're going to be all that God wants you to be. That's not hyperbole. We, we know this. So there are mechanisms at play here. So for instance, people who um, have good relationships tend to handle stress more effectively. They recover from setbacks. They sleep better. How can that be? Well, because we sleep uh, when our cortisol's down and we're not in an alarm state all day long. Sleep pressure builds um, by being calm all day, not by being nervous all day and then collapsing, right? Wounds heal. I mean, wound healing is one thing that we do look at in terms of uh, if someone's stressed or not. They have lower blood pressure, less likely to experience depression or have a relapse, and they're less anxious. See, it's not a nice to have. It's a need to have. Yeah. And that doesn't mean when we say you're never meant to do life alone, that you're never meant to walk through life alone. That has nothing to do with if you're single or married. Nothing at all, I believe. We have so many, I know at our church, we have so many single adults who are really involved in deep and meaningful community. And we also have married couples in our church who are desperately lonely. 
each of them individually. Marriage does not solve the issue. Community does. Yeah. And the quality of your marriage is going to contribute, of course. To, right. uh, but let me ask you this then. So why don't we just go on social media? Now I've got a bunch of friends, right? Bunch of relationships. I looked at my Facebook. I never friend people. I've friended maybe 20 people, but I have 3,100 friends. Oh, you lucky guy. You must go to a lot of parties. I don't even know. I, it's the whole connection being part of the global church through the whole United Methodist thing. Yeah, but the, the studies are coming in and um, it actually is more likely to hurt your relationships because people get feelings of inadequacy or jealousy, you know, the fear of missing out and the superficiality uh, of the thing. So, yeah, you know, I came up with five things that I need others to belong to. You know, everybody needs a group is something I used to say in youth group when I was a youth minister for years, but I need others to walk with me. I need others to work with me. I need others to watch out for me. I need others to wait with me and weep with me. And I need others to witness with me. Yeah, those, that's a great list. So five W's. Why? Why not just do it alone? We were never meant to do it alone. We get lost. I need others to walk with me. And what does that mean? I need you to help me grow spiritually. We have this image that this most spiritual guy or lady is the one that's up on a mystic mountain, mm -hmm. you know, completely detached from everything and everyone. Yeah, but that pattern is they go up to the mountain, but they always come down and bring something with them. Yeah. In one of the most stark stories in the accounts of Jesus' life, he goes up to what's called the Mount of Transfiguration, and he brings three of his disciples with him. That should tell you something. And they have this amazing mountaintop experience. We literally call those things mountaintop experiences. But the very next thing is they come down from the mountain and there's this crowd and there's this guy and he's got an epileptic son who's got these fits and seizures and they're trying to pray him out. And so, you know, even Jesus went up to the mountain, but not for too long and not just for the mountain in and of itself, but to get replenished in order to love and serve people. Oh, that's so good because um, I, I just thinking that Maslow, you know, Abraham Maslow hierarchy of needs, he called um, those mountaintop experiences, he called them peak experiences. He's, he wasn't a Christian mm -hmm. peak experiences. Right. So what does that tell us about um, the nature of relationships and how important they are? That is up uh, high on the hierarchy. Right. Isn't it interesting that we consider peak relationships as the more solitude, solitary kinds of, or, mountaintop peak experiences. Mm -hmm. In my mind, when you say that, I picture me by myself up on a mountain peak, getting all inspired. Yeah. What if the peak experiences are things like people who know you, getting coffee with somebody? A great dialogue, for instance, could be a peak, you know, because I think that, you know, um, peak, he's talking about like, these are set apart from the others, right? So they, the, all those places could do that. But how about sports? I mean, you can have the peak experiences and, um, you know, there's a spiritual element to that, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake talks about that in his book on spiritual disciplines. It got me thinking like, you know what, when I was boxing as a kid, um, you kind of, when you were done, you felt like you both are together and you were doing something ancient and something cool together. You didn't want to kill the guy or anything like that. You actually were grateful. I was at least. Yeah. If you had like a real good, uh, you know, sparring session 
And watch what they do. They hug, they embrace afterwards, unless there's some a beef or something. But, you know, generally that's what you do. You say there was something bigger than us um, outside this whole event. Mm-hmm. You won, I lost, but we're going to, you know, unify and, and, um, and kind of exalt something bigger than us. You know, that's a spiritual, that has spiritual qualities, at least, let's say. Yeah. It's part of that walking together. I needed others to walk with me, to spar with me. In yeah, or punch me in the face. Ways. Yeah. <laughs> I think that even, here's something interesting theologically, even before sin entered the universe in Genesis chapter two, after the creation of Adam, God says this, it is not good for man to be alone. God says this in Genesis. He says this before the serpent was showing up. Sin had not entered the world yet. The environment was perfect. And even in the Garden of Eden, God says it's not good for man to be alone. God hate, I think God hates loneliness. It's not the same as being alone or being quiet, but God so created us. God so created our physical family and our spiritual family. Um, the physical one is the one you grew up with. Your spiritual family is the one you have the rest of your life and into eternity, you would say, in from a Christian worldview. Your spiritual family, some people might say God's church, is going on forever and ever. And God says, I want you to be connected to my family. In the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let's encourage one another. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel, um, I don't say feel sorry for them, but I get on maybe a little bit of a sympathy for people who are doing it by themselves. There's something about corporate worship that takes on a power in me, at least, and I've seen it in other people. Mm-hmm. And you can have some good experiences by yourself and whatever, but it's, they're qualitatively, I just think they're different. Oh, yeah. When you're worshiping yeah. with other people, we're two or more gathered, you know, in my name, not just we're two or more gathered, um, you know, eating chili. Right, right. With a purpose. <laughs> and, and, you know, it doesn't matter how we're wired. We're still called to do that. It's like you, you've been created. I've been created for a longing for belonging. Maybe that's what loneliness is. Loneliness is a longing for belonging. That is a big part of it. Do I, am I a part of something so I can feel safe? And people can listen to our loneliness podcast too. Just scroll down oh, yeah. wherever you're listening to and see, because we covered a lot of this stuff, how dangerous it is to be lonely, how dangerous it is dangerous it is for your health. Mm-hmm. You know, First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, Paul writes this, when you gather, each one of you be prepared with something useful for everybody. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight, take your turn with no one person taking over. That way you all learn from each other. That's literally in the Bible. There's a lot in that. I think that the best way to have good relationships is get good at relationships. And it takes practice. Some people seem to passively wait for someone to knock on their door and say, I'm in the neighborhood looking for a friend. You want to be one? Mm. It doesn't work like that. You know, a lot of our relationships now, look, we learn, you know what I mean? So if, if you have been, you know, had a difficult childhood, for instance, it's more challenging to do that because you, you get attitudes about yourself that you're not lovable. Therefore, you don't put yourself out there because you know how it stings to be rejected. So, so those sorts of things, but your best shot is to get good at the relationships yourself because that person is um, needs people too. Mm-hmm. The person that you're afraid to approach, they need people too. You, they may be lonely too. It's an it's an uh, epidemic. So don't wait. Yeah, 
sorry, there's just, it's loaded. Scripture is loaded with this. Ephesians 4.16 says, as each part does its work, it helps the other parts grow. So Christ's whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what God wants in your life. That's what he wants. He wants it for all of us. You know, I was thinking about this idea of relationships and I was thinking about, about this. You and I have become great friends, yeah. yes. but we are so wired so uniquely from each other. I know that's what's cool about it. I don't want to meet me. I know me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're fascinating. So yes, I love this. Same. No, that's how, how it is. You, you, you compliment a lot um, of what I don't. Mm. And vice versa. Yeah. But you know, one thing about you, I've, and I mean this, I, you've never said, spoken a harsh word against anyone. I've never heard you gossip. I've never heard you be critical. Matter of fact, if I am critical, you'll kind of walk it back a little bit. Well, that person, you know, you have a lot of sympathy and compassion for people. So that's a quite an achievement in a culture that lives on division and gossip, right? Well, thank you. Praise God. Thank you. It's a, uh, Part of it, it's, I think, just the community that I'm a part of, the community I grew up with. And here's the deal about this. When it comes to walking with each other, you can't. And, and if there's somebody listening, and thank you for all of you listeners, if there is somebody listening and you're, you're feeling left out or you're feeling lonely or you're feeling like, oh, I really am rotten at this, here's the challenge for you. You can't learn community without being in a community. You can't learn it without being in a community. That's why this year in 2022, I want everybody to get into a community group. Yeah, It can be a bowling league, but it'd be even better if it's some kind of a group where you're talking about life and you can talk about heavier things or deeper things or, and crack up all at the same time. It's therapeutic, but not doesn't have to be therapy, although therapy is a huge help because you're going through a process of healing with someone with gifts. I've had some patients that um, like one, for instance, she watches the view um, and I'm like, why, why are you watching those old battle axes? You know? And, uh, and so I was just upset. I love that her. one of them's name is joy. <laughs> and, yeah. How I ain't seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> the irony there is not lost on me, but it was upsetting her and all that kind of stuff. Cause they were just, you know, getting her whipped up. And I, you know, as I asked her about, it, I realized um, she feels like she's a part of something. These are people she, they don't know her, but she feels like mm -hmm. felt she didn't watch anymore, but um, felt like she belonged. She was following something. She had an appointment, like what you're saying. She had a group of people. We all agree. Or if we disagree, you know, it's okay. Um, you know, I'm That's a part the of the rhythm of, you know, the mountaintop and come down to mm -hmm. the morass of the valley and the, the back and forth. I don't think they had any peaks on a mountaintop on that show. Though, I don't think, and I'm being rough on them, but, but look, man, we got to knock this division off. Like we're, we're becoming a very intolerant society, you know, very tribal and very divisive. And that is not in the scriptures. There's a way we're supposed to behave when someone um, disagrees with us. And you can check the book of James if you want to. There's a lot of, of it in that. If we have an enemy or, or someone insults us, what we're supposed to pray for them, not um, take a run at them or cancel them or anything like that. So a lot of this stuff is anti-Christ that I'm seeing out there. So I'm not, I'm not picking on the individuals to be and mean. anti-human. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about people made in the image of God, and yet the way that yes. we treat people is yeah. 
it, it's pro-human in this way. I know what's right. And uh, what you're saying is ridiculous. And, I, and I'm going to judge it. Uh, and that you need to think exactly like me. There's no chance I can be wrong. So there's some arrogance that it promotes too. Mm-hmm. And look at me, I'm not pious or anything like that. I have my moments, of course, but at least I'm trying. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least I'm Kathy trying. says you're very trying. Yeah, trying on the patients. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think you pointed out something, even the illusion of community. And my wife right now is watching a lot of Hallmark Channel, not even just the Christmas movies. And there's always some element of community, this small town, this return, this going back to some kind of traditions, you know, save the old house that's in the middle of town, yada, yada, yada. And I think what we need to realize is, is the authentic version of what those pangs are. Even somebody watching The View, you know, First uh, Peter 4, 9 says this, open your homes to each other without complaining. <laughs> you know, without complaining. I know, I know. And like my wife says, if you're coming to see me, just come. If you're coming to see my house, let me know so I can clean it up a little bit. Yeah. And we don't have a messy house, even when all four kids were running around. Does she clean it and then say, oh, I'm sorry, it's such a mess? When no, get, no. When she, she's she's okay. over that. She's People, way too <laughs> She don't care that. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea is that that we um we need the, the home aspect, opening a little bit of our lives up. Without complaining. Without complaining. Can we say this? Because I caught myself doing this and I'm trying. Like I said, I'm trying. I'm, I'm imperfect, but I'm trying. People would invite us out and I would notice because, you know, I feel like I'm crunched for time all the time. I would start complaining about seeing them. And I was like, wait a minute. That's first of all, that's nasty because they didn't have to invite us any place. They, they, they don't have a lot of time either and they want to spend it with us. What, what am I grumbling about? You know, that. So I'm working on putting that higher because I always feel great once I get there. And after I'm done, I'm glad that. Um, so I'm saying that for the uh, kids at home, you know, if you um, get past that, think about the the return because, you know, we are busier and we feel like we're robbing ourselves of time. This is really important mm-hmm. to be with people. You know, a cool experience that happened to me years and years ago, I was working in Birmingham, Michigan, and a pastor from this way out Booney's place called Pink Me called me and I went out and met with them and kind of consulted with them because I'd had some experience with music and worship leadership and stuff like that and did some interviews for a worship leader. And he said, well, why don't you come over for lunch before you head home? And I went over to his house and they had had young kids and he's like, how about peanut butter and jelly? And I will always remember Doug saying that. And I'm like, that's awesome. It does. You don't have to be Martha Stewart to open your home for somebody, even for a cup of tea or coffee or a a fried bologna. Fried bologna. Oh, now you're talking. Exactly. Exactly. What we're talking about here is this journey. I need people to walk with me in this journey. That's just the first one of five. I don't think we'll get through all five. Oh, we Keep going. Let's go. Next one. I need others to work with me. The fact is God has put us on earth to do a certain work that only you can do. That's 
the purpose, you know, that God has given us purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, God made us to do good works, which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. God has planned in advance for good works for you to do, whatever you feel like your capacity is. But I need others to work with me. Yeah, let's let's just land on that for just a second, because when I first met with you the first day, day you said, um, God has a plan for you, and I had no idea what that meant. So um, I'll say this, though. When uh, read the scriptures and obey those things, and then it, it's more likely to become apparent, right? Get rid of your resentments, forgive everybody that you need to forgive, be forgiven yourself, do the things, and now he can work through you because you're more easily tolerated by others, maybe. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. See. Mm-hmm. How did the light dawn when you when you heard? the foreign concept, God has a purpose for your life. Well, I didn't immediately, but I held it in my you know, memory to see, okay, when will this happen? I, I think w- when it happened to me is when I started doing what he said, when I started obeying, you know, when I, when I, um, you know, stopped the things like gossiping and, um, you know, judging others, when I stopped judging others, um, when I put God first, right. Cause that will really change how you treat people. If you can do that, because you just don't have the stomach for that other stuff that, you know, that you, then it just kind of happened, you know, like for instance, the, the practice that's from God, it has to be because I said no to it initially. I didn't want to do that. I did not want to go that, that way, but you know, I, so I think God working through me and it sounds like I'm bragging today. I don't mean that I'm, I'm trying no, to follow a path and it's difficult sometimes and it's easier sometimes, but I just, it's important for me to do it because good things tend to happen. Um, more when I'm gentle in speech, when I'm more tolerant with people, when I don't express anger. And I'm not saying never express it, but mm-hmm. we have a culture that's expressed too much. Let's be honest here. It's it's a go-to emotion for, for people. So I kind of, and then patience, wait, keep doing what he's saying, you know, to the best of your ability, ask for help if you need it, which I've done, you know, the walks, I've confessed things to you. I would ask you questions. I can't figure out everything by myself. Right. Um, you know, find it. And then, and then it seems to happen and you won't know what it is. And also he'll ask you to carry your cross at at times and it won't be the cross you want to carry. Mm -hmm. Right. Generally. Yeah. Jesus big message. The whole opening is deny yourself, deny yourself, take up your cross. I know, man. But it sounds like it's going to be a terrible experience, but it's not. It frees us up from the attachments that we have to things that are very superficial, but we were taught that they are important. It really, you, you said something so strong in the beginning. What we are doing is not the world's message. Exactly. It's counter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the world's message. Yeah. I think. I need others to walk with me. Secondly, like we're saying, I need others to work with me this on this along this pathway i heard somebody say once community is god's answer to fatigue mm, is when you have friends who can just let you rest when you or can tell you to rest funny thing i was walking with a couple guys yesterday morning and i said i want to be closer with my wife here's what i want you to ask me about in a week did you go to bed at the same time as your wife versus staying up late and watching TV or scrolling or whatever else. And last night, I wasn't even thinking about the conversation. One of them texted me at 930 and said, go to bed with your wife. Yeah. And then 30 minutes later, the other guy I was walking with said, are you in bed? You know what I mean? It was 
because yeah. because I had gotten I had confessed Continue. I had gotten addicted to this online video game not video game but game uh-huh. both of them they were thinking about me mm-hmm. that very night yeah, and yeah. and put in a funny word of yeah. encouragement to work with me on this thing that was my goal that I need to work on it was such a great answer to this the fatigue of this battle that I'm in and I would never had that apart from this need that I have to have others to work with me. But, but it came out of um, a group experience though. See, it doesn't stop when the group ends that day. Yeah. Right. It, it has lasting effects, you know, mm-hmm. you're still connected. In other words, you're not just connected for 90 minutes in a group. You're still connected when you leave. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and mm-hmm. that connection, those connections grow as you get community. Yeah. It's not something you switch on and switch off. Right. Even when I'm, retreating even when i'm alone it's not like an on off switch i'm alone but i know that i'm a part of something bigger than myself in this community and so i'm alone but i'm not lonely yeah go to bed um with your wife um also if i had one regret if i had to say i have many regrets about how i raise my children and what i've learned but if i could change one thing mm-hmm. it would be that we would have um regular dinners together that that would have been like a non-negotiable, right? We will be, everybody will gather at this time. Um, that we, I really missed out on that, on that opportunity because of my job. Yeah. It was one of the few things that I did actually get right in parenting. Good for you. Is I said, honey, I don't care if it's P and J or hot dogs, but we all got to eat together. Cause I'd read this study in the nineties when I was youth minister and they looked at 150 factors of what helped kids get through teenage years and prevent yes. substance abuse or teenage pregnancy, all that kind of stuff. And they said, not sports, not academics, not mm-hmm. even youth group or whatever. Family meal times is a great one. Now for somebody who's listening, who's single, maybe that means you line up a group and you do dinner once a week, just dinner and enjoy each other or You know, that's one of the things like a lot of churches will have weekly study groups or conversation groups, or they'll go out to dinner after church on Sunday, you know, for lunch or prayer groups. There's something about that rhythm of working together, let alone serving. You know, you want to talk about something cool. Our youth ministry has been in since COVID. We couldn't do the bigger trips, quote unquote. And and our kids have served more in Detroit than they have ever before. And just on the drive home, somebody told our youth minister, why is this so much fun? Uh-huh. And it's because I need others to work with me. And it's God's answer to fatigue. You know, going back to that Ecclesiastes, two, are, two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. So... If you're fatigued, that's number two. I need others to walk with me. I need others to work with me. Number three, I need others to watch out for me. And obviously we've covered some of that, like the text I got last night saying, go to bed, you Mm -hmm. you moron. I need people who will defend me and who will stand up for me and who will protect me, who will help me stay on track and who watch my back. And I think we all need this because we have blind spots. Mm. And I think because our community is more isolated, 
Some people blame air conditioning for some of that and electric garage door openers, you know, just the idea of proximity. That was one of the good things I think that came out of COVID is neighbors started checking on each other a bit more. Yes. You know, literal physical neighbors and neighborhoods. Oh, lots of things else. changed. Uh, we don't have to get into, but if you look at po- politically, that, that, that changed um, a lot in politics and the outcomes of election, um, having um, everyone in the same house for, you know, knowing what's being taught in school and, and things like that. So, yeah. Interesting. The apostle Paul writes in Philippians 2, 4, look out for one another's interests and not just for your own. Yeah, I was going to have you when you're done with this list, go out and, and turn that around saying, I want to, and then, you know, because we're talking about receiving these things. I need this. I need this. That's important. But I need to give, number one, I need to see if that works. So when we're done. I need to walk with someone. Someone needs me to walk with them. Yeah. Someone needs me to work with them. Someone needs me to watch out for them. You know, uh, there's another verse, Hebrews 13, one says, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should keep being concerned. It means not just once, but over and over and over. So it's not a little random act of kindness here or there. Keep being concerned, you know, and there's a cost that comes with that. But I think a lot of people live in defeat and Christians live in defeat because of habits you can't break or hurts that you won't let go of, resentment you build up, hangups that you have, problems, circumstances, relationships that hurt you. Why? Because we try to fight our spiritual battles on our own. And that's stupid. That's not the best tactic. That's a better way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. But you're never going to win against the devil on your own or the demons inside you, you know, and, and I love that God's called people like you to this profession to walk with people, to watch out for people, to work with people, you know, with the trained study. Yeah. But what we know is that this is really interesting in my field. So there's no doubt that psychotherapy is effective. Okay. We got enough research uh, on that and that's why insurance will bill for it. It's a, it's a first line treatment now. It's not just adjunct, right? So we know it works, but this is interesting. Doesn't technique doesn't seem to matter. Like one isn't that now there's some that are more research, like cognitive behavioral therapy has a, a, a big literature, but you know, it's the relationship and we don't even know what happens in a relationship. It's so complicated and so mysterious. We don't know everything about it. Um, yeah. But if, if, if nothing can happen, I don't, not much can happen outside a relationship. They have to see some value and, and, and here's how you, they see value. It really helps to really care about them. Right. Not politeness is nice, but people pick up when you're really interested in them, when you really care for them. And, um, you know, a lot can happen. Wow. Community is God's answer to loneliness. Mm-hmm. Community is God's answer to fatigue. I would say, you know, if we're watching each other's backs, I, and I need somebody to watch out for me, community is God's answer to defeat. You know, that I'm not left as just a loner anymore. And I'm, I'm grateful to have men and women in my life who can be honest enough to talk about where we can talk about our weaknesses. It's powerful, powerful stuff. Well, we talk about our weaknesses. That helps. One of the most important spiritual qualities is humility. So Philippians 2, 3, do nothing. That's no thing. Do no thing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself value others above yourself that's 
pretty radical. What would that look like? What does that mean? I'm going to be taken advantage of all the time. Um, it's, a, it's a value others above yourself. So you and I have a disagreement. Here's an example. You and I have a disagreement. My instinct might be to defend my position, but if I value about myself, I'm going to pay attention to you and go, well, okay, what does he mean? And maybe he has a point, you know, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about staying in abusive relationships or anything like that. Um, but you can, I mean, that's good advice. That's, that's in other places in the Bible too, that you, and then um, watch how the world treats you right? Because you've been kind when someone wasn't kind to you. You've been patient when someone was impatient. Um, you were peaceful when someone was angry. Watch what happens. Yeah. Even committed to the truth when somebody's living some kind of lie. Yes. Right. It's not easy. No. But yeah. Do it gently and in, in, in kindness and mm. truth and love. This is a good stuff. It's all, so good. Well, I have two more on my list. Okay, let's do them. Yeah, we got plow it. Through. Number four. Not only do I need someone to walk with me, I need somebody to work with me. I need somebody to watch out for me. I need somebody to wait and weep with me, to wait and weep. These are people who wait while I'm waiting for the bad news. And they weep with me when I get the bad news. You know, the, the longer I live, the more I realize the inevitability of crises, the inev inevitability of bad news. I used to admire people who seemed to avoid it. You know what I mean? Gosh, they sure have their act together. They must be doing everything right. But I realize now it's more a matter of when it hits, not. Um, okay. That's so important. So what, what we do is this practice the disciplines because it's common when, when you have a um, nice spell of calm, pick up the pace, right? It's so much better to train for these things. Um, stay in prayer, scripture, get your community together, have all that ready to go. Cause it's common. Yeah. You know, there's a guy in our church named Paul and he's awesome. He's been a leader here and he's a cyclist, super, super fit. And in his mid fifties, he had a heart attack and then he had a second one a little bit later, but, but what's so powerful, I think we train not because the heart attacks aren't going to come, but, but because he trained the recovery was so much yeah. better. And yeah. I think that goes, that applies to a lot of our lives. It if does. we're in good practice, if we are in healthy relationships, if we're making a priority of the things that are really vital for life, it doesn't, it doesn't protect us from the bad stuff, but I believe often our recovery can be a lot. It's like an immune system. Only it's spiritual, right? You're going to be more resilient. You're going to bounce back faster. You might even fight off some of the serious uh, outcomes yeah. of the illness. A prayer rule that changed my life. And it's not perfect, but I have a time. I have that set aside. I prepare for it. Um, that has changed everything. And then once you do it, it's kind of like going to the gym. Like, why wasn't I always doing this kind of thing? Because I'm going like, well, come on, 25 minutes in the morning or 30 minutes in the morning seemed like there was a time when that seemed like a lot. Like I don't have that time, you know, and then maybe another 15 at night. Uh, okay. Um, but if you think you don't have time for it, then you have to look at your priorities. What's the highest thing. And then you got to ask yourself, honestly, am I behaving as if God is the highest thing? You know, there's an old line 30 years ago among Christian circles that said, if you say I'm too busy to pray, what you're really saying is I'm too busy not to pray. Yeah. That's like, if right. I'm that busy, 
I gotta get myself centered. I gotta get myself connected. Something's out of order. Yeah. Disordered. So I need people to wait and weep with me. A couple things about that. First Peter 3, 8. You should be like one big family, Peter writes, full of sympathy toward one another. And he says this, if one member suffers, all suffer. Community is God's answer to despair. You know, there are situations that nobody should ever have to go through alone. Nobody should ever have to wait in a hospital while a loved one is in a life or death surgery. Nobody. No woman should have to wait alone waiting for a lab report back on a problem pregnancy. Nobody. Nobody should have to wait for news from a battlefield alone. Nobody should have to stand at the edge of an open grave alone. Nobody should have to wait at home alone for a coroner to come and publicly identify the body of a loved one who just died. Nobody should have to spend the first night alone after their husband has died or their wife has died. Nobody should have to spend the first night alone when their wife has just walked out or their husband's walked out. Romans 12, 15, be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who were weep. It just goes on and on and on. Yes, uh, but you should watch the view by yourself. We don't want that to catch on anymore. Yes. When you're done, though, can you do that? Because people like to take action, right? And like I said, don't wait. Don't, you know, Just. you got to make it happen. So um, I need to mourn with people. That would be one way to say it. I need to wait with people. Can you do that list that way and see if it works? Mm -hmm. I need to mourn with somebody waiting for news from a battlefield. I need to mourn with somebody who's waiting on a lab report, uh, some mourn with somebody who's got a problem. With I mean, the, the, the whole list though, mm -hmm. the whole list, does it work? I didn't memorize your list. So I want you, I was yeah, yeah. you could just review it and see, because look, I can, a person who's really lonely and has a hard time making connections are going to go, okay, yeah, that would be nice. When's it going to happen for me? And what I'm saying is you kind of get what you give when it comes to relationships. And so you start and looking for opportunities when we think this way, like, is there someone who's mourning right now that it just didn't cross my mind to reach out to them? Yes, I could do that, for instance. Or what was the number one? What was number one on your list? I need somebody to walk with me. Okay, I need to walk with people. I'm going to find some opportunities to walk with people. I need to work with people. Find a cool thing and plug in. Every great organization is looking for volunteers. There aren't any good opportunities at, at the UMC, though, is there? Uh, there? There's quite a few, <laughs> if you ask me. Yeah, I need to watch out for people. I need to have other people's backs. I need to walk with somebody. I need to work with somebody on, on good projects and serve. I need to watch out for people. I need to wait with people and weep with people. And I need to witness with people. That's the fifth one. I need others to witness with me. You have a life message that God wants to, you to share with the world. It's part of your mission. And there is a great power when you do it with a group to share the love of God, the love of God's family. There's a great power there. Jesus said, you, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. There you go. That, I'm glad that you put that in because what I'm saying is it's like witnessing to some people is just repeating things that you've read. Uh, that's important. The scripture is definitely important, but your best testimony, at least, especially in the early stages is be that thing that you're talking about, right? Be loving, be devoted to Christ, be humble. Mm -hmm. You know, all of those things, man, that's just such a testimony because I do know people are, are, are set apart who would like that. 
oftentimes I've done like this, there's something about this person. And later on, I learned that, you know, no, they're serious about the faith. That's what it is. It, and it looked different to me because the world doesn't teach us that no, stuff. It teaches arrogance and yeah. narcissism and revenge. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Complaining. I just saw a funny meme. It said, don't question science. And the guy said, um, that's what science that's is. That's what science is. <laughs> You challenge your assumptions. You challenge your hypothesis. Yeah. Science is questioning. Scientists believe everything provisionally, right? Because they want to make a new discovery and there are scientific revolutions that have happened and scientists know about those things. And so they believe provisionally and they are delighted when someone corrects them. You want them, you know, they're political things in certain cases where that isn't, but when it's done, ideally, that's what the peer review process is. The peer review process is, okay, I did this study, Matt, you know, you guys are blinded. You don't know who wrote it and you see if there's a flaw in it. Um, and then every um, study ends the same way. We need more research in this area. I'm going to talk about my limitations of my knowledge. You know, you have to be very humble to be that way in this world. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially when it comes to politics. Yeah. And science. And science. Yeah. And faith. We got to It's like peer reviews for our faith. How could you, how could I leave that out? Especially in the faith. Don't, come on, man. God is mysterious. You don't know everything. You know, some things, mm-hmm. the thing that they fear about Christ followers the most is that we think that we know everything that we're going to judge them. That's like the furthest from the truth. Yeah. That's why people don't go to church. They're like, I don't go and be judged by that. No, the whole point of this thing is we don't judge, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, you talked early on about people with strong community lives are seven years longer in average. It's the same thing with people who participate in church. It's same study, different. Yeah. Because that is the way that was a Harvard thing. Yeah, I know, man. It's, it's so good. I mean, this isn't just a good idea. It's not just a club you belong to. It's a way of life that gives life. It's a way of being that gives life. And this is the year of life 2022. The year of two is better than one. And we're going to keep talking about relationships, but it's time to wrap up for today. I want to thank you for walking this journey with me. Oh, yeah. Matt, you are the chocolate and I'm the peanut butter. (laughs) I'm dark chocolate. No, you're white chocolate. So, you know, yeah, pasty white. That's the problem. All right. You'll pray. I would love to. God, I thank you so much for my friend and brother Marty and for the fact that you have called all of us to be friends and brothers and sisters, one with another. Lord, I pray that the community of the church would be community for each other. I pray that all the people who are soaking this in would realize the health and the landing place and the home that community could be. Thank you, God, that you have provided people to walk with me and work with me and watch out for me and wait with me and weep with me and witness with me. And I pray, God, that you would enable me to walk with someone else, to work alongside someone else, to watch out and have someone else's back and to wait and weep with people who need it and to witness to your goodness and how much of that shows up in community. It's just really catching me off guard today. Pray, God, that you would be with us in this new year And that you would let this be a year of loving relationships, of community, and of of loving the life that you've given us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, 
and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.